0: Cynthia Hyatt also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in your relationships as well as artfully handling life's challenges. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com and make sure to follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, Cynthia Hyatt.
1: Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And thank you. I always say thank you because I really do appreciate... Listening and taking time in your day or your evening to just learn some new skills and some new ways, in order to really truly be the best version of you. So that at the end of the day, even if you've made some mistakes, you're still learning, and you don't have a ton of regrets and all kinds of things that you think, "Wow, I should have done that different," and "Why couldn't I have handled that better?" or Or I didn't like how I looked or, you know, whoever was weird with me today. And so really being your best version has more to do with being the person that God originally designed. Because that's the perfect version, the one that he had in mind when he created you. And so we've been talking about this whole, oh my goodness, what is going on in our world, in our country, in our city here in Phoenix about this whole coronavirus, and last week we had Mark Lucas. He also has a show on KPX Q1360 called The Form. And I hope you enjoyed just some of his take on this and some of his thoughts. I thought it was quite refreshing to have another person on, and I really did like his energy a lot. He's a great guy. So I hope that helped as we are really maneuvering through this crazy time that we have with the coronavirus and how very contradictory things may seem or or sound or feel. And so what we do know is that this creates a tremendous amount of stress. And we've talked a little bit about just what stress is, what it reveals in people. So I wanted to take A lot more time really talking about the stress and and what is going on in life and how we handle stress and being under stress really helps reveal your quote unquote true self and they've done studies about this and I think that this is a great opportunity for us to let God continue to reveal the things that he either wants to capitalize on or the things he wants to change The things that that he sees as not matching our true self, not being a great reflection of him, whatever that may be, and so you know we wonder sometimes what we're truly like underneath all of this. And this particular study was done by a gentleman. His name is Andrew Zach, and I I, he really what he did was he interviewed the person J.R. Thorpe that wrote this and did this study, and so. I liked a lot of what he was saying and what was revealed from this study. And what we, what we find is that whether or not we're introverts, even to our core, or if we're just this social butterfly that just really can't stand being alone, we really do have a way of interacting with others, with ourself, and with the world around us in a way that either heightens our stress and their stress or helps us de-stress. And helps them de-stress. So this study was published in Nature Communications. And it really reveals that there's one kind of, kind of a simple way to figure out how selfish or generous someone truly is. Or how selfish and generous you truly are. And all you have to do is put yourself in a seriously stressful situation where you have to decide what to do immediately. And so the results that the scientists say show the true side of someone's character. And it demonstrates whether you're inherently pro-social or inclined to look out for number one first. So it's, a tar- it's an entirely new theory, and I was, I was kind of interested in it, but it's not completely new. Because we have Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, she's the one that came up with the saying, a woman is like a tea bag; can't tell how strong she is until you put her in hot water. But this particularly new experiment, it looked at a particular aspect of our behavior that determines how we act towards others and whether we prioritize their well-being or our own when push comes to shove. So finding yourself in a bit of hot water, it really could be very stressful. It also can help you gain insights about yourself and how you relate to others. So in this study... Uh I think they used over about 100 college students and they had them play this game in which they decided how to divide a sum of money between themselves and in some cases they had to give up a small amount of money to and to give their indivisib- invisible partner $10 or more while in others they had to give up a large chunk to their partner or comparatively little so what happened was the researchers kind of manipulated this, and they, they manipulated how much time the participants had to make decisions. So what happened was in if they really only had a super short period of time, like what if the, if the participants only had two seconds to make up their mind about how much they're going to give their partner? The students were likely to fall on the decisions they had made before. So if they'd always been selfish, they stayed selfish and vice versa. So if they were prone to giving more, then they were inclined to sit and consider the decision and often reverse it. So to give themselves more gain or help out another person. So when they had to think quickly, they would fall back on the way they typically made decisions. So if they had to decide in two seconds, and they usually are someone that is a little tight-fisted, then they're not going to do it. But what was so important about this If they gave people time, even the people, even the individuals that would not give away money if they had to do it, if they only had two seconds to decide. If they were given time, they were inclined to reverse that and to give themselves more and to help out someone else. And so this is why we want to think about. You know, we all really want to keep all the chocolate to ourselves, but having to think on it a while might reveal that it's a good idea to share it with someone. So this is a really important indicator for you to think about this. Like, what does this matter? Because the decisions you make when you're in a rush or panic can't be discounted. See, they might actually give you the biggest clues about who you are and how you view the world. Excuse me. So if you have to make split second decisions either to go to a party or stay home or keep a bit of money or share it the results will be likely truer of your own disposition than those who make you know unless you make it at your own leisure so it's going to it's going to show you who you truly are if you have to make the decision in less than five ten seconds so we often know ourselves pretty well, and we kind of can recognize those knee-jerk decisions as being truer to our character. It doesn't mean that is what we really want or need. Now, this is where you want to think about this. What people do, this knee-jerk decision, I'm sure you've, you've seen the movies, you've heard the stories of the person that... You know they'll they'll jump overboard to save the person, and the person that has to make a decision immediately says, "I'm not I can't'm I'm, I'm going I, I won't give up my life jacket." And if he's given chance to think about it and people are willing to talk about it, he may be able to change his mind. and so this is where you want to give yourself time, and you want to say, "If I can give myself time, I might make a better decision." So this is important psychological knowledge. So next time anybody tries to to back out of a decision or disclaim a problem because they didn't have time to think about it, note whether or not that decision was aimed at benefiting them or another person. So it's really good insight about who a person is if they are given a very short amount of time to make a decision. And if we can give people enough time, many times they make a great decision. And this is why one of the reasons when we've talked about time on this show, it's so loving and kind and powerful that God gives us time. He gives us time because he knows that humans need time. And so I I looked up this verse. This is John 1, 5, and I'm going to give you a couple of different translations and it's, this is about talking about light in dark places. And it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that. It means that no matter how dark dark is, if there's a little bit of light, it can't be overcome. And Jesus says, you know, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life and it goes on in Ephesians chapter 5:13 it says but when anything is exposed by the light it becomes visible so this is a really important kind of connection to make here today time and light are are really go hand in hand if i get enough time with someone i see more of who they are if i have less time i really see who they are. So we're really, I'm very thankful, I'm sure you are, that God has given me time in my life. That I don't get judged for just one minute of one day of my life. That he gives me time to work some of this out. Because if he had to judge me on two seconds, I'm sure it's not going to be a pretty picture. And so this, I want you to take advantage of time. I want you to take advantage of light. And understand that In the New International Version, I love this verse. It says, There's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Now, this this particular passage is generally talking about the revelation of the gospel and of the the, the the biblical works. And so it's saying that God's not going to hide anything. He's going to reveal all his truths to us. And so I'm not trying to extrapolate out of that, that, you know, God is saying nothing is going to be hidden. Everything about you is going to be disclosed. However, that is part of what standing in the light of Christ is. It kind of shines the light in dark places, doesn't it? And so I want you to think about this. What would, let's think about ourselves in terms of what would I do in one second? You know, would I jump in front of a car for a little kid if there was two seconds? would i be the first one out of the burning building and hope that everybody else got out if i had time to think about the burning building maybe i would run out and then maybe i'd run back in after i thought about it a little bit so consider this when it comes to character when it comes to personality when it comes to what stress does to you so if you are put under stress what does it reveal this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about tolerating distress. I hear the whispers in my... Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you again for all your uh, presence in social media and helping me know the things that are helping and the things you like the things that are meaningful to you. And uh, I also appreciate you sending a lot of this information out to your friends and letting people know about our podcasts and the shows, the weekly shows, and how helpful they can be just as we maneuver through life and really want to be all that God has created us to be and to be the best version of who we are in any given situation. And we know that stress has a lot to do with what version we get of a person, right? And so the more intolerant they are to stress, the less maybe we'd say coping skills they have, then the worse version we're probably going to get of them in stress. If they have matured, if they have worked through a lot of things, if they have a handle on things, if they've problem solved in the past, if they're really committed to being who they're supposed to be regardless Of the pain it may cause or bring then even in high stress we're going to see a good version of that person and of course if we look at the life of Christ we see what a great version we got of God in this incredible amount of stress and horror and pain and rejection and being misperceived that Jesus never lost sight of what the call in his life was about Never look to the right or left, and and we know, you know if you're a swimmer, you know how imperative it is that you do not look into the other lanes. You'll automatically lose the race. And so this is what God is really wanting us to understand, is that stress is a natural part of living. and In fact, it's just a natural part of every creature's experience. And if stress is done well, then stress actually has a really positive benefit. Any of you that have worked out, if you've done weightlifting, if you've done cross-country running, you know that the stress, if you put the right amount of stress, actually causes you to be so much stronger. But if we get stress and we don't know how to, you know, process through it, and we don't know how to contain it, we don't know how to work through it, then we usually are going to get those negative defense mechanisms, which are things, as we've talked about before, anger outbursts, uh, depression, addictions, uh, relationships being dissolved or ruined. And so this is why it's imperative that in this time with the coronavirus and all the changes that we are having to experience, all the things that we are having to adjust to that are very different, and the information that we are bombarded with can be incredibly stressful. So let's look at some ways to tolerate distress. <clears throat> and these these are tips that a woman by the name of Laura Chang and she is a licensed professional counselor has has kind of put together and I liked these. So I really like to share what other people have come up with and what they've written. Some because I I like them to get some credit for the things and the hard work they're doing. But it also helps us to see a, a way a problem is solved from so many different ways, so many different directions. So distress, even though it is, you know, impossible to avoid, you know, no matter how great your life is, emotional pain and distress, these really are inevitable parts of our life. And so the ability to learn how to really cope with this intense you know, emotional stress and distress. You know, if we don't know how to do it, it's going to increase our suffering, which increases our stress. So we know that the ability to perceive one's environment without putting demands on it to be different. Okay, that's a really important concept. And this is what comes from, <clears throat> it's called DBT, which is Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, um, Dr. Marshall Lineman. Linhan, I'm sorry, has really created this this type of therapy, and it's great. I use it with many of my clients myself. And it is this ability to really see, perceive your environment without putting demands on it to be different. It's observing. And you experience, you're willing to experience the current emotional state without attempting to change it. And you practice observing your own thoughts and your own action patterns without attempting necessarily to stop and control them. Now, it may sound like an out-of-body experience. It it kind of might feel that way in some ways. Because what we're really trying to do is take a deep breath, have a more observing self that gives us that time. See, that's the key. The pause of observing gives me time versus reacting. And if I can learn to practice that skill of just perceiving the environment, I don't put demands on it to be different. Maybe I'm going to work on changing it after I have experienced some of this and figured some of this out. But initially, I'm going to really just observe what's going on. And I'm going to observe... And experience my own emotional state about what's going on. Not changing it yet. And I'm going to observe, wow, and listen. What do I think about this? And how do I want to act? And I'm going to first do that before I attempt to control or stop someone or something. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about if, if um, you know, a bomb goes off. okay. I'm talking about just regular, ordinary, everyday life that has really ugly things that may happen, stressful things, yucky things, hurtful things, but not things that we would put in that category, like I'm always telling you of blood, broken bones, nobody's breathing, or fire, okay? We're not doing these strategies (laughs) if those events are happening. If somebody's bleeding out, if there's fire, if there's broken bones, if someone's bleeding, right, it, this, these kinds of things, we really have to obviously do something immediately. So this is just a way to practice your life overall. So when we look at how to increase our tolerance distress, that we are better able to tolerate distress, this helps us make better decisions so that we're not doing a knee-jerk reaction in our life to every single situation we encounter that we are actually having thought. We are actually putting pause, even if it's two seconds, even if it's just taking a deep breath. I had, I had um, a person the other day tell me, you know, what really helped me is when you talked to me and told me about just breathe in. If you breathe in, you can't talk. Ah, if I breathe in, I have a chance, two seconds to think instead of just doing a visceral reaction to whatever's going on. And what that does is that helps stop that chain of events that occurs. If I get stressed, I give you stress. Then you give the next person stress, then the next person stress. And pretty soon the entire environment is highly stressed. Maybe way more than it was when when you initially arrived. So this is imperative when we are working on this to have some strategies that help us tolerate distress, help us to de-stress and be able to handle distress as we are practicing learning to observe our environment and observe our internal world, observe our thoughts, observing our intentions before we act on anything. We give ourselves a couple of seconds, couple of ten seconds to think so that we really can be the best version of ourself. Thanks for joining me. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about strategies to tolerate distress. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are joining me right at the half hour. So we have a half hour more to go. If you're just tuning in, make sure you go to the website at cynthiahyatt.com, and that's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T, spelled just like it sounds, Cynthia Hyatt. So you can see, you can get the show right there on the on on the website. You can download it, send it to your friends. You can also go to your favorite podcast server. I think we're on the majority of them. You could you could even go to Podbean originally, and it'll take you to different podcast servers. So appreciate all of your likes about the shows and sending them to your friends. And if you ever have a, t- a topic that you would like me to expound on, just email me and let me know, and I'll see what I can do about putting a show together. So we are talking about more about the great reveal that we started last week with Mark Lucas, who is one of the other hosts on, on at the radio station here. I and mean, He does a show called The Form. And it was really great to have him and just his take on how much has changed and how we are dealing with the stress of these changes and the stress of not really knowing always what's going on or where it's going to go, how long it's going to last, the amount of things that are going to be eradicated or the permanent changes that might come because of this so when we talk about stress and we recognize that as this study that I talked about in the first segment reveals your true character your true personality so stress is one of the great reveals and I want you to think about what am I like under stress do I just give in do I just cave? Do I tighten up? Do I get judgmental? Do I uh, drink more alcohol, smoke cigarettes, eat candy, eat potato chips? Do I not go to sleep? Do I sleep all the time? Am I mean to people? You know, and then I have to go apologize to them because I was so stressed. Do I get more selfish when I'm stressed? Do I get in more in survival mode where I'm doing the fighting or the flight Or freeze, I just can't even make a decision. So, think about this what this reveals about you and the stress that how you endure stress, how you deal with stress. Because one of the things that we are working on is increasing our tolerance for stress. And I don't mean tolerating stressful things that are super unhealthy, maybe for a period of time, yes. But I'm not wanting you to raise your tolerance to abusive behavior, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about just living. Living is stressful, and how do we manage the stress of living? And so we're really getting, in this, in this time, some really good things to practice. So when we look at, at tolerating distress or tolerating stress, we want to remember it's impossible to avoid stress. No matter how charmed your life is, Emotional pain, physical distress are probably going to be an inevitable part of anybody's life. And the ability to effectively cope is what helps us either decrease suffering in ourself and others or increase suffering in ourself and others. So I introduced what's called DBT, and that's dialectical behavioral therapy. And it is really extremely helpful, and I have to tell you that for sensitive people, people that are, you know, more affected or more easily affected. This is very helpful, this type of of construct, if you can apply DBT to your life. And all this is, is helping us tolerate distress. So it's the ability to perceive one's environment without putting demands on it, which is, you know, that's one of our big things on the show is acceptance. Acceptance, the key to all my problems, right? And acceptance does not mean agreement right? So I can accept things I don't agree with. And it's also this the ability to experience your emotional state without attempting to change it. Like all of a sudden, I'm scared. So I have to hurry and figure out how not to be scared. What if I just thought about the experience of being scared? What if I went, what's going on in my body? Where am I feeling it in my body? Is it causing me not to to breathe? Well, am I holding my breath? Am I tensing all my muscles? I'm going to observe the feeling that I'm having, and then I'm going to listen to what I'm thinking because am I being lazy in my thinking and my thinking is creating more distress? Like my thinking is saying to me, I can't take this anymore. This is ridiculous. This is wrong. Oh my gosh, this person hates me. I've just screwed up so badly. I'm going to lose my job. Am I thinking in panicked ways because that's going to increase my distress? So think about this observing kind of uh, just tactic where I'm observing what's going on inside of me, I'm observing what's going on outside of me, and I'm observing how I'm thinking. How much is my thinking adding to my distress or diminishing my distress? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about stress the greatest reveal. I hear the whispers in my Good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me, and I always like to tell pe- new listeners that you can go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. There's all kinds of things on there. And you can also download the show right from the website. Or you can go to Podbean. And it will take you to all the different podcast servers. And we're on pretty much most of them. So if you can't find me, please just email me at CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com. And I'd love to help answer any question that you have. If you have a suggestion for a show that you would like me to elaborate on something. Love to do that. So let's get back to our show. We are talking about stress, the greatest reveal. Stress really reveals who we really are. And so when we look at this idea of effectively tolerating distress, what we are really doing is practicing this radical acceptance. And that goes along with that type of therapy I talked to you about earlier in the show. That's the dialectical behavioral therapy that says we just observe. And acceptance, you know, I'm sure you've heard the the saying, I say it all the time, acceptance, the key to all my problems. And that acceptance does not mean agreement. See, if I accept something as is, it, it doesn't mean I'm approving of it. It doesn't mean I agree with it. It doesn't mean I want more of it. It simply means that I'm realizing I I have no power in it. So the only power I have is in accepting. So that I can then not act in a panicked manner or act in a sinful manner, right? Act in a way that is not becoming of me. See, if I accept, then I actually might be able to problem solve. And I might be able to say you know, I may be able to change it in some way, or I'm going to make sure that this situation, because I can't change it, doesn't change me negatively. So when we work on radical acceptance, it means that upsetting, you know, we, we, you know these, these angry responses to situations that upset us, and, and we're seeing it, and we're seeing what's really happening. And these intense emotions have a way of blinding us from the reality of the situation. And that just kind of helps our emotions to escalate even more. So by responding in anger and telling yourself about the situation, like it should not be happening, it could be like this, how dare they, how dare I, you're missing the point of what is actually happening. That's the observing piece. What's really happening here? And that's where we talked in the last segment about happening. Blood? Is there blood? Is there broken bones? Has somebody stopped breathing? Is there fire? See, if any of those are happening, then we need to figure out what we're going to do, right? But if none of those things are happening, I actually am not in any danger. Uncomfortable? Yes. Hurtful? probably, stressful, disgusting, maybe sinful, all kinds of negative things may be occurring. But as an adult, I have to be able to tolerate things that I'm against. Now, if I can change it, I'll change it. But if I can't change something, acceptance helps me to not be negatively changed by it. And acceptance helps me to have more control over myself versus trying to control the environment so that I feel better. And that's that locus of control that we've talked about before, that little children don't have internal control, so they're always controlling the external. Adults have a lot of internal control, which helps me know how much I'm going to even try to control the external. And this is why radical acceptance, it suggests that we acknowledge the present moment, no matter what it is, and that we wait about getting into judgmentalism, about whether or not the event is good or bad. We really just want to give ourselves time to figure out what the heck is going on. And this can be in a matter of seconds. It really can. So this encourages us to recognize the current situation. And as a result, this helps us figure out what we want to do going forward. It doesn't suggest that we approve of it or agree. Like I said, we don't approve or agree with bad behaviors. But it simply tells us to stop trying to resist what's happening. It's already happened, right? It's happening right in front of us. And so one of the ways that we refuse to accept is we usually do it through anger or sadness, which... which rarely help a situation in the moment so as long as we're resisting a present situation then we're powerless to change it for change to come we have to first accept so we say to ourselves, this is where I am right now now what can I do what do I want to do what am I willing to do and this is imperative for practicing self-control One of the things that's really important when we think about tolerating stress, like how we talked about before, is one of the ways I'm tolerating stress through addictive behaviors, or mood altering, um, any type of, you know, wanting pleasure-seeking behaviors. So these are usually self-destructive behaviors, and they often just bring temporary relief. You know, if they worked, I I have to tell you the truth, if all those types of behaviors worked, we would be teaching them to people, right? We'd be having classes on them. We'd be having seminars on how to continue to drink and do it well and drink more, and right? We, we, would, have, we would be teaching people how to do these coping skills, but they're negative and they're destructive. And so what happens is it increases the stress and it increases the de-stress, and it increases the struggle with self. So when we are harming ourself, hurting ourselves, disappointed in ourself, we have a harder time connecting with our true self so that we can actually make a really good decision. And then we feel at odds with ourself. So when we get into self-destructive behaviors, we end up abusing the person that we are living inside of, right? So Remember the saying, everywhere you go, there you are? Well, you can't get outside of yourself. So if you can't be at peace with yourself, and you're getting into self-destructive behaviors, you're making war with yourself. And so the problem is, you take the war everywhere you go. So I want you to think about how natural it feels, and I'm not going to go into that today, about why hurting ourselves and doing self-destructive things seems to be the natural outcome for any stressful situation, but it is just the way that it is. So I want you to think about, it just doesn't make sense. And when we can use the logical part of our brain, not to beat ourselves up with, okay, but to say, okay, I'm doing self-destructive things. I have a lot of stress. And the easiest way for me to cope with the stress is through bad behaviors, self-destructive behaviors. Logically, I know that doesn't work for me. So the first thing that we're going to do is practice forgiveness. We're going to relax. Work on doing self-soothing behaviors, okay? Self-soothing behaviors are not maladaptive coping skills and addictive behaviors. Relaxing your body helps you get back to the prefrontal lobe of your brain, which is where you have judgment. The more I relax, the better my decisions are going to be. I actually become more creative. Instead of doing fight, flight, or freeze, which means that I'm in intense emotional pain, so I'm going to lash out at somebody. And I'm going to make a bad decision, I don't care, I just need to feel better. See, if I can relax, I can actually find a solution for the problem. If there is no good solution, the more I relax, the better I tolerate the distress. So there's many ways to relax, taking a hot bath, a shower, taking a walk, listening to calming music, okay, thinking, reading a funny story, watching an uplifting movie, doing deep breathing, exercising, doing something artistic, praying, right? So these things are really important to learn how to do, but because they're not the first go-to. It takes a highly evolved person. It takes a person that is working on being mature, a person that is working on being the best version of themselves to actually say no at the fork in the road. I can either go, hmm, have a bowl of ice cream, watch a stupid movie, or I could maybe like, I don't know, read a devotional, just a short devotional to maybe give me some inspiration or comfort. Maybe I could call a friend and just say, hey, could you distract me for about 10 minutes? Because I'm really upset and I don't know what to do with myself. And I just want to, I just, I don't know. I want to go shopping, right? Whatever you can do to do good self-care and whatever is soothing to you. Because soothing doesn't always mean quiet to everybody. So think about safe places. How, what you know, use the power of visualization. We've talked a lot about memory, and how memories, when we retrieve, really significantly happy times, we send wonderful calming st- hormones throughout our body, lots of endorphins. So think about a good time. Think about a funny joke. Watch it. Watch any type of a movie that's a, that's a comedy. that will make you just laugh and laugh. These things help relieve so much stress. Think on these good things. That's what God says. Think on these good things. So I want you to practice thinking on good things. Rediscover your values. Remind yourself. Who am I? Who has God called me to be? So I'm wanting to do something really stupid right now. Is that who I am? Because I have a choice. God's never going to stop loving me. I can do whatever I want to do. He's given me free will. I can do whatever I want to do. But is what I want to do really going to give me what I want? And this is an important conversation to have with yourself. You can stop for three seconds and have that conversation. And it can revolutionize your next step. So create these new coping strategies. But the best thing I'm telling you, you want to decrease stress in your life, in a situation, in the life of another? Courtesy. Just be kind. Courtesy, kindness, be forgiving. Forgiveness to yourself, and to others. And remember, forgiveness does not make it okay. We just need to be forgiven. Thank God he forgives us. It doesn't make whatever we did okay. If you, if you need forgiveness, it's because you did something wrong. So remind yourself to practice courtesy toward yourself through kindness. Be kind. I love the verse. It says, God is kind. You be kind. Be kind. The world is a hard place to live in. All of us are struggling. Be forgiving. Let people have a reset. Let them start over with you. Give them the benefit of the doubt, even to you. Well, I'm so glad that you spent some time with me today. And I hope this has been helpful. And I want you to really appreciate who God made you to be and how happy he is that he did. And no matter what struggles you have, no matter how much you mess up, no matter how well you do, his love for you is unchanging. And you can't mess it up with God. That's the most beautiful thing about the God that we serve. He's a good God. He's your best friend, so take advantage of him. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a great week. God bless you, and I'll talk to you next week.
0: To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and iTunes. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.